Hello, and welcome to The Canadian Story, where we discuss what Canada is, what Canada could be, and what Canada should be. See, I would like, um, I've always kind of wanted like a red kettle. Oh, yeah. I think red kettles are like a vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, what's what's the brand? Like, is it Smeg, S-M-E-G? I don't know. Oh, but I've seen some of them just like, I'm like, that's a nice kettle. <laughs> that's a funny but name for a brand. how much is too much to spend on a kettle? Okay, I will tell you, we spent $80 on this really nice glass kettle that um, when you turned it on, it would light up, like had LEDs around the bottom and it was glass. So it like illuminated all of the water. And as the water heated up, it changed temperature. And um, when it was like hot enough to, to use, it would turn red. And that's when you knew that it was ready. And we were super pumped on it. And we spent all this money on it. And it lasted like three weeks and then sprung a leak. And I'm like, nope. Back to cheap kettles, not doing it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I was. Ew, pissed. What was that brand? Um, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It might have been Cuisinart. Oh, surely you could have gotten that. Like, yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that we could. I'm sure that we could have. But um, I chose to let my anger get the best of me, and I threw it in the trash. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, look, I um. I'm one of those like can't be fucked kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like if something breaks, I'm like, I could do the warranty on this and like send it in and then get it exchanged for a new one. Wow. I just can't be bothered. I like I to leave the store with something in my hands. I know. I know. I'm the same way. I had a hose go on me this year, like an outdoor hose. And I, when I went back to Home Depot, I was like, I bought this like six months ago. Is it under warranty? And they're like, not here, but yes, with the manufacturer. And I was like, cool, I'll buy uh, a new one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like, well, so I bought this shirt from Lorna Jane. This is like this fitness brand. Um, and it, I washed it once and it smelled like mothballs. So I brought it into the store and I said, this doesn't smell right. And they're just like, smells fine to me. And I'm like literally in the snore, like a psycho woman, like sniffing their ones in the store being like, this is what it should smell like. This is what mine smells like. And I swear to God, this girl must've had like COVID or something and lost her sense of smell, but because she had tested it in the store and she made a call on it. The next step was to send it in to head office for them to test it. But I'd have to pay for the shipping. So that head office could have a sniff. (laughs) Yeah. So that they they could test it in the head office and then make a decision on it. And I'm just thinking I would have to pay for shipping for that. So I'm like already on a $90 shirt. I'm going to have to pay like $12 to ship it into you guys for you to maybe give me a new shirt or not. So I've just kept it and I never wear it. And it's such a shame because I really like the shirt. Does it make your closet stink? Um, well, I just, I left it out on my balcony for like two weeks, Okay. like just to air out and it still does not smell right. Like I can't wear it cause I feel like I've been living in a closet. Right. Right. Um, so it just kind of sits in a drawer by itself. Cool. <laughs> let me, let me check this water. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Done. Cool. Um, 
if it edits together nicely, can I put some of that ramble in there? Cause it was funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, sweet. Um, <laughs> so I think I'll forego just like the regular intro. Cause I want to cut that together and I'll just say, all right, Sarah Bernardo, welcome to the Canadian story. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm actually so excited to be on the show. I remember your dad like sending me, hey, check out my son's new podcast. <laughs> Did he like, really? You, you just call him Zach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just call him Zach. I know him. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't realize that. Um, so for everyone who doesn't know, Sarah and I go way back. We uh, were music buddies from from back when we were kids and, and uh, made music. Um, and we both still make music, which is fun. Um, but Sarah went and moved to Australia on me, so that was rude. But uh, <laughs> Sarah, why don't you uh, why don't you just ch- tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, your background, and kind of what you do? Cool. Um, so my name is Sarah Bernardo. I'm originally from uh, Kitchener, Ontario, Canada, where I met Zach um, about six years ago. I came out to Australia just on a little holiday um for a year and then decided to kind of stay here and start up a brand new music career where I now play in two bands um it's like a pop rock heavier um band called Start Your Own Cult and my all girls country rock group Southbound XO um so I've been kind of doing that for the last four years and um hoping to take on the world by storm (laughs) what you said you said you went on a little year long vacation to Australia. <laughs> the hell does that mean? <laughs> okay, so long story short, as I moved out to Australia, I had like fifteen hundred dollars in my pocket um, and a dream. So I was doing a working holiday. Um, I literally found a job within a week, started working. So not really a vacation, but just being somewhere other than my hometown, um, and. It's been incredible, really, like the opportunities that have come to me over here. And it's always different because you think, oh, I couldn't do what I was doing here back at home. But I guess different opportunities arrive wherever you are. Um, But just so happens that these ones fell into my lap over here. And it's been great. What was it that drew you to Australia in the first place? (laughs) funny story about that I never actually wanted to come to Australia like (laughs) ever in my life I always like growing up just saw snakes spiders sharks crocs no chance and um so I went to Banff in 2016 by myself for the first time it was my first solo trip did some snowboarding out in Banff and I saw this blog on reddit of this guy called the backpacker and um it was all about his year in new zealand and why you should go and he had these amazing photographs this whole story about it and i'm just thinking they have surf they have snow i can do both of the things in one day if i really wanted to mountains and i'm like i have to go to this place and while i was there i actually met some australians as well so i'm like oh that's cool like I don't know if at that point I'd ever really met any Australians. So that was just like first little thought of New Zealand, Australia that I'd ever had. Um, And I'd actually gone out West to visit a girlfriend of mine from high school. Um, So when I got back from my trip, two weeks later, 
she moved out to Australia to live with her aunt and uncle. I had gone back from this trip with this idea like, mom, I'm moving to New Zealand. This is the place that I need to be. I uh, like, I'm going to go. And she basically came back and said, you're not moving to another country where you don't know anybody. So when Tanel moved over to Australia, I was like, cool, well, I'm going to Australia. And then she's like, haha, yeah, no, you're not. Um, and then we uh, got into some like arguments <laughs> kind of down the line. She's not going to like this part of the story if she watches it. Um, and I had, uh, she was kind of like, oh, you should think about like looking for other, like a place to move out. Cause I was 22, whatnot. I should probably not be living at my parents for too much longer anyways. And I was like, I'm just going to go to Australia. And I booked all my flights, booked my visa and, uh, kind of dropped the bomb three months before I was leaving. <laughs> How did that go? Yeah. <laughs> um, look. Not amazingly, I think eventually it came to terms with it. And uh, it was the best thing that I think that I could have done. Obviously, there's your ups and downs of every situation, but um, I'm I'm still alive. I, I can see that. <laughs> so that's yes. The, that's, yeah. Hello. You did it. <laughs> Magic. Um, so it's not gone horrifically. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, where did you, when you first moved to Australia, um, where did you start? Like, where did you land? And are you still there? No. So I went to, um, when I came over, Tanel was doing her farm work. So the working holidays here, basically you get a year of a visa. And if you want to stay for a second year, you have to do three months of farm work. That's Which is like banana picking or like just a fruit picking essentially. And then um, if you go like further up north, like Queensland, sometimes if you work in a hotel or resort um, bar, you can get away with that as your rural work. Um, so she was doing her farm work when I first came over here because she had already been here for about a year. And um, so I went through this working holiday visa company and they just start you off in surfer's paradise which is in the gold coast so i was like i'll be there for three months while tanel's doing her farmer and then she wanted to still live in sydney when she finished so um we decided to move into a place on manly beach which was so much fun we were like a minute walk off the beach we got into all the trouble we could possibly do um and then i was there in manly for about seven months um and then i've been living in Zetland in Sydney ever since. So it's, it's pretty city central. Like I could walk to the city from here. I can't believe you left Manly. I think that's ludicrous. Um, so oh, I know the, the first time I ever went to Australia, I went to Australia on tour. Um, you had already moved there and I was sitting at the opera house having like lunch on, on the, like on the strip of restaurants right by the opera house, which is like the most quintessential tourist thing to do, which I'm sure is so annoying to anyone who actually lives there. Um, and fun fact about that place, you have to watch the seagulls when you eat there because they will swoop in and like steal the food right off the table, right out of your hand. If you if you don't put it in your mouth, it's gone. Someone will get it. It's nuts. So they actually now have like seagull patrol 
which is like these cute dogs that just walk back and forth and they just like <laughs> scare away the seagulls. That's beautiful. It's the best. I love yeah. that. I love that. I'm glad you guys found a uh, an adorable solution for that because it was a nightmare. But they anyway. have an Instagram too, so. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll have to link it below because I, uh, I, I'm definitely going to follow it. Um, so I was sitting there and I was texting you and I was like, man, like I got a show tomorrow. Like, I don't know if I can stay out too late, but like, I would love to come see you. Where are you? And you're like, oh, just get on, you know, this ferry. It's it's like right where you're sitting. It's right around the corner. Just get on this ferry and, you know, get off here. And I'm the first restaurant at the left. I'm finishing up my shift in like 20 minutes. It's like, perfect. So I get on this ferry. I ride across the water, which was absolutely beautiful. It takes you out um, Sydney Harbor. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it takes you out Sydney Harbor and just kind of around the coastline into this place called Manly. And... um I'll tell you what, I have been to, I believe, 27 countries on tour. That little like route we did around Manly, uh, you took me down to the beach. You took me to like a little pub where we had a couple drinks. It's like cobblestone streets. It is like top three places in the world I've ever been. I love that little town. It is perfect. So I can't believe you left it. <laughs> Why did you do that? So Manly... As, as good as it is, it's such a bubble. So like, if you're in Manly, you like never leave it. And because it, it is just like that kind of tip um, of that coastline. It's so hard to like do public transport unless you're taking the ferry. Um, so realistically for what I do, because I'm traveling all the time, like around the city and whatnot, kind of being central in the city is good enough for me. And I, I'm still close to like, um, the other beaches like Bondi, Kojima, Ubra. Um, and if I want to go to Manly, I'll just drive there. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but it's, yeah, Manly is beautiful. It was so nice to live there, especially not having a car and being able to walk to work. But um, yeah, for what I do now, it's just, it's much easier to be kind of central. <laughs> that makes sense. So what are you doing now? What are you doing for work? So I do um, like solo cover gigs um as most people trying to make the dream dream work um do so yeah i do like gigs on the weekends um the last couple of months have been a little hectic because both of the bands have been kind of like on alternate touring weekends so it's like one weekend i'm hopping on a flight to go to Cannes. the next weekend i'm driving down to melbourne with the other band the next weekend we're playing up in the gold coast the next weekend we're driving up to um, the central coast. So it's, it's, I haven't been doing a lot of gigs the last couple months, but this last month has been insane with the cover gigs. Cause we've just finally gotten to wind down off these tours, um, and getting ready for the new year. So yeah, nice. Money, money, Roll money. that cash. Roll that cash. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, uh, so you started start your own call, right? Yeah. So, um, we were originally called dirty spells. I remember when that. I, first I, for, started, I had forgotten that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So when we first started trying to get a band together, we met, I met the guys off of um, this Facebook page called um, Sydney Musicians Network. And I remember the first guy that I was talking to, his name was Alex. Um, he's no longer in Start Your Own Cult, but he was looking for a singer for like an electro kind of dance project. Um, but he was also a guitar teacher. And then at the same time, I was chatting to this guy, Evan, who's a drummer, and he was trying to get together like some sort of Paramore project. So I sent him my EP that you and I did. 
mm-hmm. before it was even released. And that was kind of like my business card for what I did, what I sounded like. And um, we set together like a jam session. And I said to this guy, Alex, I was like, hey, you play guitar. Did you want to come to this jam? Um, so then we started. Our first show was actually my EP release show. Mm-hmm. So we did the one in Canada. Yeah, I remember And that. then I came back to Sydney and I did one here. So that was kind of our first show. And then we started like writing songs and kind of developing this project and making a band. And as time progressed, um, we just wanted this new kind of sound. So we're like, let's start from scratch um, and just start something new where Start Your Own Cult came from. Um, And yeah, it's been a a cool ride. Obviously, like GarageBand projects aren't like the easiest thing to to take on. Um, Why is that? I love the voice. Pardon? Why is that? Oh, it's because you're doing it all yourself. Um, with like Southbound XO, we're we're like on a label. We have management, so it's like we've got a team already behind us, supporting us, and like doing all, giving us all the help that we kind of need to do things that we wouldn't necessarily even know that we should be doing and whatnot. People that have been in the industry for years and worked with like massive artists, and then with Start Your Own Cult, like. We're doing our own artwork. We're sourcing our own, like, um, producers and, like, mixing, mastering engineers. We're paying for all of our studio um, time, rehearsals, booking all our gigs. Um, So it's just a lot more work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love it. They're totally different things. And I think the important thing is that when you step on the stage... It's what makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. But all that grind behind the scenes is just like, oh, what are we doing this for? But um, yeah, no, I, I can't. I can't regret any of it. Being in a band's funny that way. Like the actual part where you get to get up on stage and do what you, what does your mug say? Oh, nice. Did you do that on purpose? No, I just looked Perfect. at it like, oh. So for the people but just it is listening, my favorite mug. for the people just listening, yeah, it, is it, my it says, mug. it says Canada established 1867, which is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a perfect mug for the Canadian story. <laughs> um, I love that. I, I, just, I didn't even think of this. This is amazing. That's great. Um, but yeah, dude, being in a band's heart because the actual part of being on stage and playing that show is like the littlest minute teensy weensy bit. Um, there's other parts that are super, super enjoyable. There's the writing of the music. There's the recording of the music. There's rehearsal, which I personally really, really loved. I loved rehearsing a lot because you're just in a room with like your best friends and you're making music and just like being stupid at the same time. And uh, that's really, really fun. Um, But there's this whole other monstrous side to being in a band where it's like, well, no one's, uh, when you're in an independent band, no one's going to book your shows for you. No one's going to design your artwork no one's going to help you, you know, do all of the other things that that are encapsulated in being in a band. And um, that side of of being in a band, I think, is what tears most independent bands apart because it's a pain to do. And most musician types, most artist types aren't um, in the first place uh, 
the, generally speaking, the people who want to take on those roles, they just want to be artists because that's what they're good at. And uh, I've seen many a talented band fall through because they just couldn't put the logistics together. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many logistics that you don't even realize that you have to do to be successful. Like, it's really funny when I tell people, oh, check out my music on Spotify. And they're like, oh, you're on Spotify? It's like, it's not hard to get on Spotify. Yeah, that's one of the easy ones. It is. Yeah, I know. It, it's hard to actually get attention to your music without proper PR. And mm-hmm. how do you get proper PR? You source either a company or you're really good at advertising your music in some way, shape, or form, whether that's like through Instagram, through word of mouth, through touring everywhere, through um, like TikTok. Yeah. Is the new thing that I think all artists absolutely loathe, but everybody has to do it because it's just the way of the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have those key components, you can have the best song in the world, but nobody's going to listen to it just because it's out. And I think that was the biggest lesson that I've learned from my EP is that, yeah, I spent all this time writing these songs and recording these songs. And then it's just like, I basically just made a Facebook post be like, hey, I have an EP. And then nobody listens to it. And they either listen to it if they care enough, like your friends and family or from word of mouth and or if you're not constantly advertising it, then it's just like that moment is dead and gone. And it's like, when are you releasing new music? And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm actually really, really proud of that EP still. Not everything that I produce um, stands the test of time for me. I go back on lots of projects. That, like, how long ago did we do that? Six or seven years, that, I want to say. So we recorded that the week before I moved to Australia. Okay. And we, we would have finished it. it. Took more than a week to record. N- no, like we well, we did my vocals in a week. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So basically, what happened? Do you remember I was drinking all those Jameson teas because I had strep? Oh, yeah. God bless Jameson. <laughs> I know. Jameson is the best. Um, and yeah, so I had kind of handed you the songs. We did like a couple of acoustic things. And then he sent me back the demos. And I was just like, mind blown. It's like <laughs> you'd taken what was in my brain and actually made them into sound. Because at that time, I only really like was ever doing acoustic performances and like I could play some piano here and there. And, um, but other than that, like I could never put my thoughts into an actual full produced product, whether it's like demo or like sellable version. Um, yeah. So that was like really cool. And then once we had the, the demos were pretty much already set to stone, other than the fact that we got, um, Melvin in to do some drums mm. To live track the drums. Um, and then we did our vocals, and then it was kind of like maybe took a couple months to mix and whatnot. Um, and then I didn't put it out until probably like a year and a half. Yeah, it was a long time. More. It was a long time. Yeah, so we recorded 2016. I released July 2018. You know, I never told you that release show stressed me out so much <laughs> because and this is exactly, this is what happened. And this is why it was stressful. 
So when Sarah brought me the songs, for the most part, they were pretty much just like acoustic guitar and vocal. Um, because that's how, you know, that's how she wrote the song. And then what we did together is we took those songs and added drums and electric guitars and all of these different layers. Um, and so I ended up writing a lot of the guitar on the record and, and playing all of it in the studio. And what happened is a year and a half went by between recording the record and, uh, and releasing the record and because I, I was I was feeling very confident in my playing at the time. And I was like, oh, man, like I wrote all of this stuff like I recorded it. I'm going to be super, super fine. And so I put off like sitting down and actually figuring out how to play the parts again until like a few days before the show. And I sat down with it and I had like a panic moment. I was like, shit, <laughs> I don't remember how to do any of this. And I don't know how well I can do it. And I don't know how quickly I can learn it. And we only really have like one jam before we have to go do it. And I was like, ooh, this isn't good. So I spent probably, I don't know, like six or seven hours, the few days leading up to the show, just like playing all of the songs. <laughs> oh my God. It was scary. I'm sorry. Oh no, there's nothing for you to be sorry for. That was my own stupidity. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do this sometimes as well. Um, well, so actually how I got into playing bass. Oh yeah. That's an interesting. Is when, yeah. Um, when we started like practicing for this EP release in Australia, um, I had a guy that went to my tape. He had said that like he was keen to play the show with us. And it'd been like eight weeks had gone by. We were rehearsing, whatnot. I'm like, I'm just singing the songs because that's all I wanted to do was just sing the songs. And um, we're like, hey, man, are you come to practice? Are you going to come to practice? Two weeks before the show, he's like, oh, I'm actually going to be traveling now, so I can't play the show. And I'm like, cool. Um, first of all, I don't like I play by ear. And I don't really know a whole hell of a lot of music theory and or how to communicate what is being played. And I'm also like trying to get these other guys to learn what the songs are. So I can't really teach somebody else to the songs, the set list and it within a week's like two weeks time. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to buy a bass <laughs> and um, teach myself. In two weeks um, before the show. So I bought this horrendous bass. Um, it's so heavy. It was like a $200 crap bass. And um, taught myself to play. And then I kind of started playing bass in this band for the next uh, little while while Dirty Spells was a thing. And then I got kind of scouted on Instagram by uh, Southbound XO, they were looking for a bassist and a backing vocalist. And yeah, so I also stress about uh, learning things. I'm I'm terrible with not practicing until like the last second. <laughs> I think it's just like a, a musician artist thing. It's like, oh yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I showed up to a rehearsal a couple months ago. Um, a couple months ago. This is like in February. I had just gotten back from my like first trip back to Canada after like the lockdowns and whatnot. And I thought we had a half an hour 
set that we were rehearsing for this festival. And I get there and I had, I'm like, I know these songs. I know this set. Get to practice. And they're like, oh yeah, it's the hour set. And I'm like, I don't know these songs. I don't know this set. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting there writing with the permanent marker on like a piece of paper, like the notes that Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to play in each song so I can go home and like actually practice them before the next rehearsal before our festival. I'm like, oh, this will never happen again. It definitely will, but. (laughs) Yeah, it happens all the time. It's part of the gig. Um, So tell me about South Band. What's what's South Band's thing all about? Cool. So um, originally we started as a, um, it was like two of Australia's like highest streamed female country artists um, were putting together a project. Um, And the first thought of it was going to be essentially having four people um, that were like solo independent at the front of the stage, like this super group. So it was basically going to be like the pussycat dolls of country music. But that idea just would never work. So um, we... Me and Andy, my guitarist, um, we kind of got scouted um, online and there was like the two main girls at the front. So that was the first kind of start of Southbound. And at first we were kind of like basically these two girls banned. Um, but we were all supposed to be banned, but it was basically like the the Missy and Rach show. Um, as time went on, I was very adamant on like, I want to be writing these songs. I want to be singing more on these songs. Cause like, you'd be lucky if you heard me in a backing vocal somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I just didn't really have too much of an investment in the project. Cause it just didn't feel like mine. It didn't feel like something that I have like a piece in other than I'm just like, they're playing some bass and being like, Ooh. <laughs> um, so then I wrote, um, I got asked to do a writing session with this guy, Shannon Noel, um, who's like Australia's son. Um, he is also on our record label now. Um, but that was our first number one radio single um, in Australia. So that was exciting. Which song and was And then that? we kind of had to change, find our way. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was a couple years ago. And then we, um, during the first kind of lockdown we kind of had a change in dynamic um Rachel decided that she wanted to focus on her solo career um so then I kind of stepped more forward so now me and Missy share the lead vocals and we harmonize each other like blood harmonies it's weird sometimes I hear her singing on like a track and I'm kind of like I didn't sing that I'm like oh shit that's Missy and then it's like (laughs) vice versa like it's so strange uh, we're like two little peas, peas in a pod. And then Andy, she doesn't sing, but she is a amazing shredding goddess. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And she comes from like the rock metal background, kind of like I do. So we um, have our little special bond of, I guess we're growing into country music, but we're both little um, like scene kids at heart. <laughs> mm, nice. Yeah. Um. Yes. Go on. I think it's really funny that you kind of stumbled into country um, because the Sarah that I like grew up knowing um, wasn't like a country kid. And I certainly wasn't a country kid. And now I absolutely adore country. 
And I just think it's funny that like a, a couple of scene kids fell fell into country music and and ended up liking it. <laughs> well, so do you remember um, Zeke? Yeah, like the, yeah, I do. The, yes. So a couple a couple years ago, like years ago, he when he first came over to Canada he was starting a band up and Phoenix was actually like, Oh, you should um, like audition for his band. I think you'd be great for this. So he sent me a track. I wrote this whole song um, to his track, recorded it and sent it to him. And he responded back with it. And keep in mind, like my dream was to be in like a warp tour band. Like I went to warp tour every year other than the year that I got my wisdom teeth out where I was so mad at my mom for booking the appointment on the warp tour day. I was so pissed. Um, so he comes back to me with, Hey man, I think the song's like incredible. I just think your voice is better suited to country. And that was <laughs> like, a. <sighs> <laughs> so my little scene kid heart had this massive, massive vendetta to country music. I didn't even like hate it. But from that moment on, I hated country music because of that little moment. Um, so then when I, I got asked to do um, this Southbound XO project, I was like, yeah. And then I was kind of like, what do I have to lose? Like, if anything, I'm going to at least kind of get my foot and name in the door in the industry that I have no idea about. Um, and if it's not for me, then I'm not like, I don't have to do it. And just over time, it's grown on me so much, just meeting all the people and the fans, like the fans here are insane. Um, and it's kind of weird to think that like, I even have fans cause I still think that I'm a massive loser. But then you play a festival and you have a signing lineup for like over an hour. Mm. And like, it, it, they're like, oh my God, I love your song. Like sign this thing. And I was like, man, that is so cool. Um, yeah, I just, it's, yeah, it's become a wild ride. I don't even know where this came from. But yeah, country music, it's grown on me. It's, uh, <laughs> I never used to like it, but here I am. So do you listen to country or do you still not listen to country? That's like the real, that's the real factor. So um, I do, and for the reason that me and Missy spend a lot of time together, and she only listens to cowboy songs, like, all the time. When we drink, um, we must play Boot, Scoot, and Boogie about uh, 72 times in a night. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's like the second that um, Boot, Scoot, and Boogie comes on, we're like, heel, toe, It's It's tragic. Um, and then, yeah, I was kind of going through a period a couple months ago where, I don't know, I was pretty, um, down on myself and like to the point where I was going to the gym and I wasn't even listening to music because like the music that I loved wasn't even making me happy. And then I was like, you know what? I need to listen to something different. Um, you know how like nostalgic music, like even though it's like my chemical romance, like 
want to kill yourself kind of music. Like it still just makes you like, oh my God, I love this song. And it's like, it wasn't even like bringing me that happiness. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start listening to country music. Um, and yeah, I did that. And I don't know if you've heard of Seatworth. I have. Yes. It's like vague in my mind, but I've definitely, I've definitely heard it. I just like, I was listening to Seaforth and Trey Landon, like for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I'm just like dancing around my apartment. Um, but yeah, I do listen to country music. Um, I don't listen to a lot of music really. I'm in the same um, boat. Yeah. Because you're just constantly surrounded by it. And when you, Get a chance at silence, you take it. People think I'm nuts for driving. Like if I drive from where I live in Woodstock to my studio in Cambridge, it's like a 40 minute drive. I more often than not, dead silence. Dead silence. I listen I listen to the radio now, <laughs> I which think I think is like so strange. And I'm so happy that they like don't actually play a lot of songs on the radio. It's mainly just them chatting. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like in for the goss driving, and I'm like, who am I? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, so I don't want like noise. I, I don't want like um, melodic noise. I just want like voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts yeah, and audiobooks too. I like that. Um, I have a theory about country music, though. Let me see. I, I want to bounce this off of you and and see what you think. I think country music is just grown up people's emo music. Because they have the best sad songs. Yes, I agree. Um, I think that as well. Um, so I went to go see uh, to this festival the other week. And uh, Bring Me the Horizon was headlining. And naturally, a few vodka Red Bulls in. I'm like, hold my glasses. I'm going in the pit. And I was like in the pit for like maybe like. 30, 40 minutes. And I was like right up at the front. And I think like this is like small girl privilege, but like you see a small like girl in the pit by herself. And then some dude is going to be like, protect her. So there's like <laughs> this one guy that's like pushing people out of the way. He's got his arms like in this bubble around. So I've just got like my own little space here. And then he's like, where do you want to go? And I was like, the closest to the front we could go. And now he's like moving people out of the way. And he's like got this little barrier around me. And we're like maybe three people up from the front. I'm like, can only, can almost like touch all these things. Not really, but um, <laughs> I did get a photo with him, which is very um, exciting for me. Um, and also very sad for reasons because um, it's, I don't know, it's embarrassing. Like you don't want to meet your heroes. What was he like? Cause I really, I really, really like his voice a lot and I like his band and I like his songs and I think uh drown is like one of the coolest songs of all time have you heard their new stuff I think so I, I I'm like the worst music listener I'm the because like I, I get fixated on something that I love even within a band and then I have a hard time breaking out of that like I go back to the same records all the time all the time all the time I listen to uh, there's a hell, believe me, I've seen it. There's a heaven, let's keep it a secret. I listened to that every fall because when that record came out, it was cold. It was the fall and it was like turning from fall to winter. And like the first time I step outside every year and there's like a hint of frost, I'm like, I gotta listen to that record. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like um, it's the nostalgia thing. Um, but they so the whole reason that we came up with this start your own cult name. Um, well, one of the reasons is that they have this song called Mantra. It's the first song of their um, one album. And it says, do you want to start a cult with me? And it's just like, start your own cult. Yeah. Because um, I think that's like what every band is really trying to do is like start their own community and fan base and like people who like love your music and praise your music. So, um, yeah, I was over the moon somehow managed to get my way backstage because I ran into a guy that was managing a festival that I had played a couple months ago who was also managing this festival and I was like yo Jaja get me backstage so he did and then I ran into a woman who booked me for um a show in the central coast to start your own cult a couple months back and she's like you need to stay here for like 10 minutes because bring me is coming to the stage and we're gonna meet them and it was such a brief moment um I really just don't think that I ever really want to meet my heroes in a sense of like a meet and greet situation, because what could I actually ever say to somebody that they haven't heard before? You can't. And I know that my, that moment for me, I will remember for the rest of my life, but is never going to remember that moment. Mm -hmm. And that makes me so sad, but I do have, Oh my, my little... gosh. <laughs> That's perfect. Oh my goodness. How was this? I also met Kellen Quinn. That's so sick. How was their set? Yeah. Oh, they have like, honestly, the best, the best set. Um, I saw them when my parents came to visit three years ago. Um, Bring Me was playing and I kind of sent... Uh, did I send I sent one of their orchestral um videos to my dad? Mm -hmm. I don't think it was Drown, it was another one. Um, what's that? Scared to get close, I hate being alone. Mm. Anyways, yeah, so that song. Um, send that to my dad. He's like, Yeah, this this looks like a really cool show. Like, I would I would be interested in going to this. Obviously, their show is not like that. That was just like a special performance. Mm -hmm. um, and it was at this uh, stadium or arena in Sydney. And it's just like a bunch of what he would call it, emo screamo. But their images, like their graphics, their whole stage is just so um, intricate and captivating. Like yeah. everything's different. Um, and it's all kind of like off this kind of AI universe this kind of futuristic like elf universe thing um i'll send you a video after like of the sydney start of the show mm -hmm. and just the rest of the show is incredible after that um and they're they're great um and i, I think because i love all the songs as well like there wasn't one song that i didn't know mm -hmm. um that i'm just so much more into it just like just dragging me in I'm like, bring me to the pit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah. Long story short, being country music, of like the music that I've loved when I was a kid, I'm now almost 30. Um, I left, I got out of that pit. And the next day I'm like, 
everything hurts and I'm dying. <laughs> I, I used to leave with a couple of bruises here and there, but it's like, at least I'd be able to walk. Yeah. I know. I, I know the feeling. Um, I broke a rib in a mosh pit once. Oh my God. I remember <laughs> I got a black eye in a mosh pit at a local show. Like yeah. full shiner. Yeah. Um, and I just had no fear. I had no fear. But the difference between that kind of festival and a country music festival is that there's lawn chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think lawn chairs should be banned at all festivals and or have a section, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just it's it's really hard to play, especially we play a bunch of like drinking party up there songs. And then there's like people just watching you like this and you're like, I said, hey, yeah, <laughs> great. Having fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah. I don't know. I'm grateful, grateful for all the fans. But um, there definitely is a more. uh more of an age allowance at those kinds of um, events versus our youth band events. Mm-hmm. Youth band events. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so what was it like going through a phase where you just didn't feel connected to, to music in the same way that you normally feel connected to music? Because that's some, that's something that happened to me this year as well. Um, and I went through a phase where I actually got really, really frustrated and, and and struggled a lot. And I'm just curious to hear what your experience was like. I think I'm still going through it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, I think it's because I spent two years kind of being cooped up and pushed back and still trying to have the grind to do the things that you need to do as an artist. Like, yeah, we were in lockdown, but people were still expecting you to put up music. And the return that you were getting from that wasn't really much. Um, Because, like, you release a song, but you can't go into it. You can't really, like, you can't release a song fully. Um, So things just kept feeling that they were falling and falling and falling. And it's just like, we started out, like, here, and then it just kept going down. And... I think I just got burnt out and not uh, no longer having the drive to continue to write, um, to even listen to music, like to practice. And it's just like, you just kind of feel like you're showing up for the most part. Um, I, I don't really like believe in New Year's like new year new me kind of thing but i'm really hoping that something sparks for me in 2023 that it's just like i want to write again and maybe that's that's something as simple as like actually going out and doing a writing session with somebody and writing a banging song that you're proud of and then be like cool i want to write another one um writing camps for me are really really productive um because i could walk into a week with no ideas and then walk out of the week with five new songs that Mm -hmm. i love Mm-hmm. And I, before that, I never had those in my head. Um, but I do sit and like swallow myself often when I don't have a lot of things going on. Um, so just trying to get out of that funk and actually 
doing something about it. Um, but yeah, I just feel like the last um, couple of years have just been repeat, repeat, repeat. And then you just don't want to add to it because you're just like, do I even want to do this? I updated my resume. Like I'm going <laughs> to apply for a real job. <laughs> yeah. But I updated it. So. Uh-huh. Anything good on there? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a photo. Um, Is it the one no, with I you, for, you like, and Ollie Sykes? Uh, I wish. I wish. <laughs> um, no, I. it's actually like, it actually is a really good looking resume. I'm not going to lie. If that came across my desk, I'd be like, oh, nice form. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like I applied for two jobs that I <laughs> never thought that I would get anyways. And I obviously didn't get them. And then I'm like, well, that's it for me for trying. Might as well keep doing this music thing. <laughs> so what do you do in those in those moments where where you're frustrated and you're down and you kind of don't want to do it and you feel like you have to motivate yourself? Do you do you come at those moments um with like grace for yourself and and space? Or do you come at those moments with like, you're such an idiot, like get to it? <laughs> I'm very much a wallow in self-pityer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in a in a good and bad way. Like I've definitely learned to take time and space for myself. I used to be a um because when I came back here after my working holiday visa, I I had to study. I had to study for two years. So I did um music performance and electronic music production. And I was also working and I was also trying to make friendships and gigging and rehearsing and all that stuff. So I, and going to the gym, like I was always out, always on the go, like never got a break. And now it's like, if I have any ounce of moments of myself and somebody's like, Hey, do you want to catch up for a coffee? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a good balance between time for yourself and then too much time for yourself. Um, I'm still trying to find the happy medium between that, but I definitely like in my spare time, I like to find ways to make myself money. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I forget where this question was kind of going to, but um, yeah, I don't bunks for me. It's like a moment I can be like, I want to get out of this bunk and I won't do it. I'll just get worse. And it's like, there's going to be that one moment where it's like, right, this is it. And something as simple as like cleaning my room mm-hmm. or like going to a songwriting session. Um, but if I'm like, oh, I really need to get out of this funk. Like it's almost like writer's block. Just, it just hits you when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I feel like the universe like doesn't want to let me call the shots. It's like, it'll happen when it happens. And I just kind of like, let it happen. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a suggestion for your New Year's. I started doing this. I think it was my mom's idea because she's super smart. Um, I started doing this, I want to say maybe four or five years ago. People love to lop on something new to what they do at New Year's, right? It's like, I'm going to start doing this. Like, I'm going to start going to the gym or I'm going to start reading books or I'm going to start, you know, whatever it happens to be. And most people I know live incredibly dense and overloaded and busy lives. And I know that's certainly me. I, I fill my days far too much. Um, so 
I started this thing where at New Year's, instead of adding something, I take something away. So I haven't decided what I'm going to take away this year, but like I stop doing something just to give myself more space. And I've found that practice to be incredibly good for like my soul and my heart because I just get myself spinning around in a little circle and I'm I'm the absolute worst because as soon as I start down that trend of like, I'm like getting frustrated and I'm working hard and I'm trying to get everything done and I'm go, 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 go. The, the first reaction is I just got to double down and work harder. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, mm, I, I know what it is. I just got to double down and work harder. And like, I just keep working harder and harder and harder and harder. And then I die. <laughs> yeah. And then I it, hate everyone. I hate everyone yeah. and I hate everything I'm doing. And I don't like any of my projects and I don't like any of the people I'm working with and I'm miserable and that pisses off my wife because I'm miserable and she doesn't like being around that because who would? And it's just not a good thing. So I highly suggest, give it give it a try this year. Try sitting I down and looking at your life and, and taking something out and making that your New Year's resolution. I, I do that. Do you like, really? Often. Yeah. So funny story. Um, I used to smoke mm-hmm. and... Um, the one year I was just like, right, I'm not smoking a cigarette for a whole year. But because I wasn't smoking, I was like, I'll buy myself a nice fancy purse. I don't buy myself nice things unless it's like musical instruments and gear and stuff. Um, so I went and bought myself like a $700 purse. So every time that I was out and someone was like, oh, do you want a cigarette? I'm like, look at my bag. I'm like, no, I'm good. Nice. And it's like just little having like little tokens of things. Um, but I know I definitely need to stop the, the three hour, um, TikTok binges. Ooh, those will kill you. I think the thing that I love about TikTok and, um, this is also something that I've really kind of been doing to kind of help my mental state this year is, um, sorry if anybody's listening, but there's like, especially in the start your own cult scene, um, seeing a lot of like other kind of like Sydney bands and stuff doing, other like things that you think that your band should be doing, but you're not getting the opportunities to do like playing on shows with bigger bands and um, like doing well with their singles and whatnot. Um, I've just muted. I feel like I can't unfollow people, but I've just muted so, so many people on my Instagram because like, if I see that stuff, it makes me miserable. Mm-hmm. And um, not seeing their posts about how great they're doing in music come out. Like, and this is so terrible because like, I'm a musician who's posting stuff about how great my music is doing. And it's like, for some people, they're like, yeah, that's amazing. Like, go, go you. But for other people, like, I'm sure they're in my position as well, where they think like, why isn't that me? Why aren't I getting 100,000 streams on my single? Why haven't I had a million? Like. Um, so I, I've just kind of essentially cut ties with that. And with TikTok, because it's so random, you don't ever get, um, people that, you know, really coming up on your TikTok. And then it's just those two minutes of, huh, next. Oh, that's funny. Next. Like, it's just, it's totally mindless. It's, it's. I don't watch TV, but I watch TikTok. 
Because mm-hmm. like I don't have to actually fully engage with it if I'm not into it. But everything's different every two seconds and I can just zone out completely. How do you feel after like your your death scroll binges? Um great, because I have a new knowledge of videos to be like, hey, check out this TikTok that I <laughs> saw earlier. <laughs> I find um, sometimes when I when I get into death scrolling, I'll like I'll look up, you know, however many minutes later, sometimes more embarrassingly. And I'll be like, ooh, mm-hmm. I've been doing that for 45 minutes. And then I'll set my phone down and I'll get up and I'll be dazed. And I'm just like, Ugh. And she's like, it's like a weird drug that just like does something strange to your brain that I don't like. I'm a very like to the minute type of person. So say it's like, it's 10 or seven um, in the afternoon in Australia right now in Sydney. Um, if I was watching TikToks right now, I'd be like, right, I'm going to stop watching TikToks at 10, 15. Mm-hmm. And then if my heart doesn't feel fulfilled with the TikToks that I'd watched by that time, I'd be like, 10 more TikToks, 10 more fulfilling TikToks. <laughs> I do so that. Bad. I do that too. I'll sometimes be scrolling and be like, okay, I, okay. I need to get off. I need to get off. But like uh, one more good one, and no, that not, that one's it not good enough. It has to be a good one. It has to be a good one, or else like it's like the like the most anticlimactic finish you could possibly imagine. Like one that you would like, and then show to somebody later. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so dumb. Um, Why do we do this? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And like my other addiction lately has been, um, you know, mini pigs. No. So they're like essentially pigs, but they're smaller. They do grow. They oh, do like grow actual to be about like, like like pygmy like small pigs. Actual, yes, actual pigs. Um, but they are like when they're tiny, like they're tiny and cute. Like this is literally my for you page on Instagram. It's all pigs. <laughs> and it's the raccoon. all pigs. And the raccoon. <laughs> And I just like, I just watch so many pig videos and otters. Otters are cute. I, oh, they're so cute. And they snuggle and this is like, oh. And you if know, I see a pig video, my heart's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a world of trouble. You know, I was at a couple months ago, my wife and I were going to Shoppers Drug Mart and we pull up to our parking space and we park and she gets out her side and I get out my side and I walk around the car and she doesn't like come around the car. And I like look over her and she's just staring at this car beside her. I said, are you okay? It's a dog. Hmm? <laughs> what it's is a dog. No, it was a pig. <laughs> there was a pig in the backseat of this person's car. And she's like, that's a pig. <laughs> and it's oh, like, like a big one. Um, it, I would call it a medium pig. We'll call it a medium pig. It wasn't giant, but it wasn't small either. But yeah, that was a strange I just, thing. I love them so much. One of my, one of my, uh, mates, he's in Thailand at the moment. And look until now, because like I've been kind of on the road so much the last couple months, I have not been jealous of people's holidays. One iota. I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere for Christmas. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to stay here, make money and be at home because that's what I want to do. And then he posted a video of his partner feeding 
a baby pig on the beach in Thailand, like a bottle of milk. And it's making those little like noises. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're, you're living my life. You're living what I should be doing right now. Why aren't I on holiday? Why aren't I there? <laughs> <laughs> Instant regret. And now I'm total FOMO. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what is a standout for you over this last year? Because you, you, you've been on the road a fair amount. And I also want to mention that too, because I know we talked about it briefly um, and I'm kind of jumping all over here, but um, just like a week ago, um, I don't know how it happened, but my wife and I were listening to the radio, which we don't really do. And on comes this Tim Hicks song, who's a, a dude that I worked for for two years. And your voice just ends up coming through the speakers on this Tim Hicks song. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know it was happening. So why don't you tell us that story? Because he's a, he's a guy who's close to my heart. I love that dude. He's awesome. And uh, you're on one of his songs. So how did that happen? Yeah. So, um, last February, um, we had done this thing. It was like a Canadian Australian. Um, it was kind of like a networking session with a bunch of different artists and a bunch of different industry people. So the first half of the morning was like 10 artists have like a 10 minute, like session, um, with, another like a an Australian artist is matched with a Canadian artist. Um, and then you talk 10 minutes and then you go into the next room and then you go into the next room and then you have like a 20 minute break. And then you sit down with like an industry person from um, Canada and an Australian artist, and then kind of go from that. And um, we made some connections in there, um, which then turned into, you know, Ron, Ron Kitchener. Yes. Yes, I do. That's Tim's manager. That's Tim's manager. Yeah. 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 So um, we then kind of collaborated because our manager, Tim, um, he also like goes way back with Ron. So it's like, why don't we get um, the girls to collaborate with Tim and um, also another artist from Nashville, Austin Burke. Um so we did literally wrote that song on zoom in last February. And, um, then we really liked the song. It was completely different. It was kind of more so it was very COVID-y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was basically about like meeting up with a friend or a fan or a lover, like for the first time, um, after like two years of not being able to see each other and just catching up for the first time being like, Hey, can we, let's catch up for a drink. Tell me, tell me everything about what's going on in your life. And then when we went to Nashville in July, Tim wasn't actually able to make it to Nashville, but we went to um, a studio with Austin and we like zoomed in with Tim and we rewrote the song. Um, and then we ended up cutting it. And yeah, it's, I, I think this is what they say. It's the first um, try international collaboration ever. No way. Yeah. So with like artists from three different countries, um, I guess there's obviously like, you know, when they do massive collaborations on like one song with like 20 different artists that sing on it. But like, um, like we all wrote the song together Mm -hmm. and we recorded it in separate locations. I actually recorded mine and Missy's vocals in this room. 
It was so bad because like we needed to get these vocals done. And originally we were going to record them in this hotel room um, that we were staying at at this festival, CMC Rocks. Uh, but we just didn't have the time to do it over that festival. So we needed to get the um, the stems to Brandon. And um, so we had to record it in my literally like just like right beside me mm-hmm. on a microphone. And I'm like, these are these are trash. They're definitely not going to use these. And when we got the mix back, I'm like, how? How did he make my voice sound good on this? I was so nasally. This was the point where, like, I literally played a festival, went on tour the next weekend with my band, had a Sydney show the next weekend, and then I got sick. And then I had a festival that weekend after, and then I lost my voice. And then I just barely got my voice back had two shows that weekend after completely lost my voice and then had another festival the week after got sick again. So I was like off and on sick for like two months. And um, they're like, yeah, we really need these vocals. And I'm just like, like I was barely recovering and just trying to push through these festival bookings and whatnot. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it's really bad. Um, So I was really grateful when we finally had some time off so I could catch up and recover and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so we did that track. Um, and <laughs> so you're saying the opera house where you need to watch the seagulls and whatnot. We filmed some footage for buy you a drink at the opera house. And as we were like filming this stuff, I'm like, there's the seagull patrol. That was like the first time I ever saw them. They're super cute. Um, but yeah, so it's been out for a week already oh two weeks two weeks tomorrow yeah it's fresh um yeah and it's killing it nice it's actually killing it although let me just look at these um stats real quick zach because um canada i think needs to pull up their socks is australia playing in northern canada well it's not even on radio yet in australia Okay. So I did a radio interview on um, Monday and the guy that I was interviewing with, he's like, all right, so this song is um, coming out next year. And I was just like, it's already out. And then he's like, oh, we were told it's not on radio until next year. And I was just like, oh. The industry is okay. so weird for <laughs> that. Like there's so much bureaucracy and red tape and people making decisions and just like weird stuff. It's annoying. It's, yeah, it's- very strange. Um, but yeah, so United States is sitting at the top for like the most streams. Australia is second and Canada is third with half the amount of Australia and a quarter of the amount of America. So, How many people um, are in Australia? Let's just research. <laughs> a million something. How many people in Australia? 25 million. Oh, we have way more people. That's embarrassing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know. That's Come what I'm on, saying. Canada, Country pull music up your fans socks. are absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Pull up your socks, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're hoping to get the guys out here to play some shows and um, hopefully that'll also provide opportunity for us to come over there and do some shows and get on some festivals. Um, It'd be really cool to actually take this project back home 
Oh, yeah, that would be um, so fun. Yeah, I mean, like, who knows who would come? But um, it, it is pretty neat when... I would. I, would, I know you would. You're, you've always been good. The fact that, like, you were literally here for... I don't know. Like, you came to Manly for, like, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. We is- did, like, the whole... I was like, come, come, look, this bub, this is the beach, this is this, this is this is my house, like, back on the boat you go. And that's very, like, that is very, I wouldn't normally do stuff like that because I feel like my baseline, when it comes to going out and doing shows, um, so I was with Walk Off the Earth on that, on that run of shows, and when it comes to doing shows like that, I think my baseline of anxiety is way higher than a lot of other people's, and I... I, I, I'm not necessarily mad about it because it kind of makes me good at my job because I'm like always thinking about the next thing that's definitely probably going to go wrong. Um, but, you care. Huh? You care. I do care. I care a lot. That's but good. <laughs> like the scenario is we had just flown in, which takes forever. So I had been on a plane for, I don't know, some 20 hours and we get there and we have a show the next day. And so like it is unlike me to venture off on my own in a city I've never been in the night before a show in a new country that I haven't been before. And all I can think about is how like probably none of our gear made it and everything's going to be a disaster tomorrow. But I was like, no, I'm going to visit Sarah because it's going to be sick. And I I don't regret it one bit because it was one of my favorite uh, tour experiences of all time. Oh, Um, and I I love how the last time you were here, like I think I was on tour somewhere where I, I had a show. Yeah, we couldn't um, hang out because like, you were you were you were doing a show. Yeah, I feel like that was um talking about like memorable experiences. I feel like that was maybe that Camden show that we played. Um, so we played this, it was basically a thank you that was put on by the council for all the people that helped out like during the floods and whatnot. Um and it was a free event, but 10,000 people showed up actually more than 10,000 people because they had to shut the gates at like five o'clock. Like we hadn't even played yet and they were at full capacity and there's still thousands and thousands of people wanting to get into this event. Um, And I remember like playing a festival the weekend before and thinking like, oh, that wasn't like a massively huge festival. And then, um, it was still like a really special, like kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimate festival. They had like glamping and stuff. It was super cute. But then the next week going onto that stage and there's like 10,000 people there, like listening to our songs and like people know our songs. Um, like that was a really special moment for me. And I came off the stage and my manager is like big enough crowd for you. And I was just like, hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want 12,000 next time. Uh, so that, yeah, exactly. So that's why I missed um, your show. Yeah, that's okay. I forgive you. I forgive you. <laughs> anyway, uh, unfortunately, we, we have to wrap it up here. Um, but let's let's finish on this. Um, because, you know, we're recording this, what is it? December 21st. So we're, we're, we're chugging on into a new year in, in just a few days. And um, this year, obviously, for for probably everyone, but for you and for me, brought ups and downs and challenges and um, <clears throat> moments where you didn't feel like yourself. So, what do you hope for for next year? What are you What are you looking to see? 
That's a really hard question um, with a really like vague answer, I guess. Like, I think the biggest thing that I'm looking to see is new opportunity. Because there's nothing worse than doing the same thing, the same thing, playing the same venues, doing the same gigs with the same set. As just finding those new opportunities that continue to let your ambition run. Um, because especially in an industry like this, when you're like really self-driving it, like nobody's making you do this. Um, and you are essentially the product of your own income. Um, like it'd be just so easy to go to a job where you go and do the job and you get paid to do it. Like, but like having to constantly create, um, without any like driver passion, um, isn't possibly hard. I think just like having those new opportunities arise that make you want to keep going in this industry. Mm-hmm. Good answer. I love that. Um, I agree. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I'm always just a believer that like, if you truly like sit down and decide you want it, you can drive those new opportunities. So I, uh, I wish the best for you and I miss you and I wish you would come back to Canada. And I'm sorry that the past two times you've come to Canada, I've been sick because we've tried to hang out. I I always text you the night before. I'm like, dude, I'm dying. Like I can't do it. I think I had COVID one of the times. I feel so bad about it. So I hope to see you again soon. And uh, thank you for taking the time to be with us. And um, dudes, everyone check out her music. She's Sarah Bernardo. That's her solo stuff. She start your own cult. She's Southbound XO. Um, All of it rips. All of it's awesome. Definitely check her out. And uh, I hope we get to do this again, man. Yeah, Yeah, I hope so. so. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Canadian Story. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The CAD Story. That's The C-A-D Story. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Let's work together to remind Canadians how great their country is.